Welcome back to another Untitled Sundance review. I am i forgot what we're doing. <laughs> uh, I'm one of your hosts, Matt Rovek, alongside. He's allergic to tomatoes, but he's tomato meter approved. Eric Marchin. I totally froze up there, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. No, it's it's okay. What? We're on day three, four, 26 yeah. now of the festival. I'm, feel, I'm feeling much better today, though, Eric. I was feeling a little worn down yesterday i don't know if people could tell in our reviews but um i'm feeling a little bit more energized today i feel in a good mood where i was just in a shit mood the last couple days for some reason i don't know what it was but well, i mean you talked um, about it i mean you just left yeah. your, your your job and you went right into well i mean it overlapped with the festival yeah, so yeah you know like there's a lot of stressors there and and you know that's that's understandable but now it feels like maybe you've had a little bit more time to just decompress and you know kind of get into the festival routine a little bit more and you got a little bit more sleep last night and, and things like that. So that all helps, you know, and I was feeling a little nutty yesterday as well, starting relatively early and, and not realizing that I needed to start that early um, given how the festival has been running, which has been pretty smooth with the one snafu with the browser with Chrome and Safari, but yeah. Yeah. It's a learning experience, but it's been pretty good so far just to, you know, our overall thoughts. So today we are reviewing Street Gang, How We Got to Sesame Street, directed by Marilyn uh, Agrello, I think uh, is how you yep. pronounce it. I'm not, um, um, <clears throat> which actually put me in quite a nice mood yesterday, uh, even though I was in a shit mood. It, it still um, uh, broke me out of that. But yeah, the festival uh, has been fairly smooth so far. We were just talking before this off uh, air. Um, trying to plan our next couple days. And it's been, you know, I mean, the same thing we said about TIFF. TIFF ran fairly smooth, but we are very familiar with TIFF. So even when it came to a digital space, we kind of knew how to maneuver, you know, uh, it. Um, this has been a little bit different with some things, you know, you you reserve tickets to a premiere, uh, but then you also can do repeat screenings and there's early access for press, but it depends on, what platform you are and where things show up. So it's been a little bit of a learning curve, but overall, I mean, it's been a very, very smooth festival so far. I really love the director intros at the beginning of the, um, the movies, which still feels like you get that festival kind of experience. And then I'm, I got and, that Sundance j- jingle in my head, the dun, 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 yeah. dun, dun. And the delays as well. Like I, I appreciate that even though this festival is running smoothly and, and like every, Buddy, in terms of like you know who's working for Sundance has, has made this a really great experience so far. Um, it's also nice to know that you know even the the the, the top tier professionals have to work within the confines of technology you know and and like when there's delays and things like that like for those intros where you, you know you have one of the programmers giving this really nice intro to the film and filmmaker and then you know them introing and asking them a question or being like you know just how are you and like that delay and that overlap again between the two conversations it kind of makes you feel like okay like everybody has is is truly going through this experience in some way or another it's not just like you know we're having technical difficulties or you know this other website is having technical difficulties we're all you know prisoners not of just the ghost land but prisoners of technology yeah but i also i i think it's um uh, it shows like you know how well we've all been able to kind of you know push through and and put on you know us being able to do this show consistently for a year or tiff and sundance being able to do a massive film festival that doesn't feel 
completely neutered um, because of it, right? Like I feel both Tiff and uh, this being our first Sundance, so we don't actually know what the real Sundance experience is, but uh, at least from my perspective of, does it feel different? Of course it does. I still feel just as exhausted after uh, four four movies. You watched seven yesterday, like a maniac. Hell yeah. Um, um, I was still very exhausted, but then I I was saying to Nevis yesterday too, being like, um, I weirdly wasn't, I I think maybe just because where my headspace was, but I'm like, I wish I was more excited for this festival and then today i woke up and i finally it it hit me a little bit even though we're like you know kind of halfway through almost it's just like you know i'm very grateful for you know being able to cover this festival and i felt like i was um sleeping on that a little bit and uh, i woke up very excited for the day and i'm excited to you know review this movie with with you because it was a, it was very nostalgic and it was just kind of going back to, you know, Coda being that warm, you know, hug that at the beginning of the festival, um, I felt like this was also kind of just brought my spirits up. And, and even though it's very, you know, pretty conventional or standard and it doesn't necessarily give you the deepest dive on like the inner workings of Sesame street, it was still kind of a fun watch. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I mean, like, there's not much there to synopsize in terms of 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 plot. Um, it's it's your kind of standard documentary, talking heads, archival footage of the creation um, that is, or what we know uh, today as as Sesame Street and and the longevity of Sesame Street and the reminder of how groundbreaking a kids program that was when it was introduced in the late sixties. And, you know, that at a time where, you know, a lot of programming was meant to sell, um, you know, toys or candy or talk down, be condescending to children, you know, um, three specific people that it kind of focuses on, um, writer, director, uh, John Stone, who kind of is given, you know, credit where credit's due because he kind of seems to be like the silent partner of, of, of this, uh, trio, obviously Jim Henson, um, who doesn't really need an introduction and the producer of, of Sesame street, uh, Joan Cooney, who, you know, was the one that kind of got the ball rolling and kind of oversaw everything and was kind of the spokesperson, um, for Sesame street, uh, you know, and doing PR and, and interviews on talk shows and things like that to kind of sort of get people interested. And it's also like fascinating to watch, like, I mean, I'm sure you, you can sort of talk about this more and, and, and sort of bring something uh, interesting in terms of like an insight is how marketing plays such a huge role in sort of getting a show like this off the ground, because you have to remember, you know, Sesame street as well, wasn't, you know what it what it is today it started almost as like a grassroots kind of project specifically targeting you know inner city kids and and that demograph and and wanting to educate you know the age range between 3 to 5 year olds and you know it's very experimental like watching it like the the one thing i really did appreciate watching this and 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 appreciate about sesame street is that like it was very abstract for its time i, I mean it's i haven't weird, watched man. Yeah. yeah i haven't watched it since I was a kid, but like watching the, this footage, like seeing like, you know, you know, an animated short and then like, you know, 
Muppets talking about, you know, your ABCs or things like that. And James and, Earl Jones just reciting the alphabet, yeah, it's right? Like, guard. It's, like, yeah. it's like, it's like watching like a wavelength, you know, feature, but like bite size for kids. It's like, that's your first exposure to like this weird combination of art and education being put together. Dare we say Lynchian? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. <laughs> or, or um, Michael even <laughs> no i and you brought up the marketing point eric and i think that's a great point and i mean i, I thought the movie's delightful like it, it is a very light watch it's not really gonna give you the any controversy about the makings of sesame street through the ages it's just kind of and with hbo even having the rights to sesame street now it does feel like a little bit of a puff piece to just like hey look at how um you know, amazing and groundbreaking this show was and how great it was. And I don't think anything is incorrect there because I mean, we, I, I grew up with Sesame street, Eric, you just mentioned you did as well. And like, um, and you sometimes don't realize you just watch it as a kid and you grow out of it and you don't really go back to it other than knowing the characters like Elmo and cookie monster and Bert and Ernie and Grover. I forgot how much, Grover. I forgot how much Kermit was in Sesame street before he kind of branched off to do all the Muppet stuff, but um, like he's a real person. <laughs> um, but, but that's, that's something that that's, they talk about as well is that they, like they treat the, the, the Muppets like they're real cast members. And as soon and as they, they always have, and I think yeah. that's such a great thing. And I think that's why the Muppets have always been so lovely. And my dad grew up with the Muppets and loved the Muppets and, and, and Sesame street. And I think he passed that down down to me but going back to the marketing point yeah they they bring up how and i thought it was just ingenious and coming from you know someone who just left the marketing industry because it was this this really hit me hard because they talked about how you know it was soul sucking a little bit because all of these shows and commercials were just literally just you know used to sort of not brainwash but sort of brainwash these kids into talking to their parents of wanting a product or wanting a candy or a cereal or something like that so they took all those techniques that people were using to sell products to kids and they're like why don't we kind of spin that and make it a positive thing and use those same techniques to teach kids valuable lessons like preschool kids and, and kids who didn't have access maybe to um, the same schooling. Everyone, like Eric, you mentioned inner city kids and, um, Specifically and children. children of color and, and color. Yeah. yeah. And, and I just thought that was actually it. And it shows you how, how intelligent and, 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 just lightning in a bottle this whole thing was, because it's such a fantastic idea that, um, yes, ultimately Sesame Street became gigantic and started to sell toys and everyone remembers Tickle Me Elmo and like everything like so it kind of, you know, uh, what it, full circle, it kind of became what it didn't want to be at the beginning. But I still think it, it it's its values and its intent is still have been there throughout the years. But it was just cool to see hey, let's look at the marketing industry and what's working there and apply that for good. And then that's the thing that I've been kind of struggling with. And one reason why I left my job is just like, I felt like a lot of the stuff I was doing didn't have a purpose or I felt like I didn't, I wasn't putting good into the world. I was just selling something for a giant corporation to, you know, make money off of it. And, and I just never felt fulfilling because I started to just feel empty in the sense of like, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I'm just like, I'm what, what good am I putting into the world 
from doing this, but I think it's such a cool thing to see that and these kind of hippies taking this and going, well, why don't we take those things and, and make a children's program out of it? Use jingles, use all these things that get kids to retain what a product is and, and things like that and apply it to learning valuable stuff. And I, I just think it was ingenious. And it, again, it's just all these people coming together. And Jim Henson is one of the I think the greatest creators ever. And it was just fun to kind of watch him as well and his interactions with, you know, the other puppeteers and, Frank and the people Oz on the show. Frank, yeah, Frank think, Oz is fantastic. Too. I could watch a whole documentary just on like behind They're, the scenes like, yeah. footage of them because they didn't really like each other outside of the production, but their chemistry on set and when they were working together as Bert and Ernie, um, or you know, just in general was undeniable. And and, and I mean for a lot of people know Frank Oz now as like, you know, the director of Little Shop of Horrors and things like that. Um, but you know, he's another guy that doesn't get a, a lot of credit. And there's a lot of that's the one thing that the 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 again, it's so expansive and there's so much history with Sesame Street that you're going to have to cut stuff out no matter what. And there's some people that don't make it into the cut or some stuff that that maybe there should have been a little bit more time on. And also it focuses on the early years, really, right? And yeah, then it, yeah. It, and and there is so much that it kind of it doesn't go deep into each topic. It kind of just gives you the surface level, like, hey, we put a lot of people of color on in leading roles. We we were experimental to teach kids things, and like each thing is touched upon in a little bit of a segment. And and I agree with you where the Frank Oz and, and Jim Henson stuff, I just like yeah, just seeing a doc on those two guys would be fantastic as well. Yeah, and 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 I think that the other thing as well, um, if you've if you've seen any other docs on Sesame Street, whether it be, you know, uh, being Elmo or um, I am Big Bird, uh, the Carol Spinney story. And Carol Spinney's another guy we can talk about who's in this, who just actually sadly recently passed away in, I think, 2019. Um, yeah. It, it covers some of the same ground that those documentaries also cover, specifically with the I am Big Bird doc, where, you know, you have. Um, a segment dedicated to the death of actor William Lee, who played Mr. Hooper, and the death yeah. of Jim Henson and Big Bird singing, uh, you know, uh, at his funeral and things like that. And and it's not easy being green. And and so, like, you're going to get a lot of coverage that you you might be familiar with if if you yeah. either a seen any other documentaries about this story specifically or just kind of like an overview so you're you're not getting anything new this isn't like the seminal sesame street documentary which i think maybe is still to be made but there's a lot there to kind of um just kind of enjoy and and wax nostalgically for and just realize and appreciate i think it's just I, the thing that i took away the most from watching this is again is just appreciating how groundbreaking a show this yeah. really was because when when you're when you're a kid you know you, you you watch it and then when you get to a certain age you you're like you know sesame streets for babies and things like that and and now looking at it as you know a 32 year old man i 
you know, I don't watch it anymore, obviously, but, um, but it made me want to go and watch some of it to be honest, like the older ones, because I mean, again, I don't know what it's like now because we're looking at it from, from the documentary's point of view and looking at it from, you know, the sixties into the eighties, they use a lot of archival footage from, you know, shooting on the set in 81 and things like that. So we're seeing it when it was in its, its heyday, right? Like when it was like the best of the best. And we even got a lot of that, you know, recycled into the nineties. Like one of my, my favorite um, uh, animated sequences that I remember so vividly, and I think I actually went to, I think I was talking about it on, on a show recently or to somebody. I went down a rabbit hole um, uh, when watching uh, American Psycho again recently and being reminded of the Huey Lewis hip to be square. They did hip to be a square and talked about shapes. And it's like, it's so ingenious that like, just to take this popular song and they even do, they, they, they even show that with the Beatles, you know, like with, with things that start with B and how that became a lawsuit. The letter B. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's you know, great. And, and I'm with you. I'm totally with you that it just felt like, um, a nice reminder because again, I, I said it earlier and you just said it and I'll repeat it again. When you're a kid, those things don't necessarily, you don't clue into a lot of that stuff because you're just watching Sesame street. And then once you grow out of it, you don't think about Sesame street again until something like this, or maybe when you have kids and then if you had small children and then, cause like, that's what this kind of, I mean, we're getting to the age I'm 32, Eric, you're turning 33 this year, right? I'm turning 32. And, um, I'm thinking about, you know, okay, am I going to, you know, have kids and and things like that? And then I, it made me go, oh, okay. Like another thing they brought up is like making the show so it was also enjoyable for adults. So you didn't want to rip your ears off or, or gouge your eyes out watching it. And like that's the stuff. theater. Yeah. And that's what I, I, I always appreciated. And I remember even to this day and over the span of, you know, uh, being on the internet and things getting shared and going viral, I remember things from Sesame Street randomly popping up here and there because they would do these parodies that, you know, kids would obviously not get. Um, but they're made for the adults, but there's also that teaching element there or the, the kid element there. And I think much like we talked about Pixar, uh, with, um, with their slate of films and how they're so good at making a kids movie. That's just as much for adults. I think obviously Pixar movies are more, you know, for adults than Sesame street is, but I appreciate that, you know, they have this balance where they're like, okay, we know you're going to have to watch this with your kid and stuff like that. Let's make this at least somewhat enjoyable um, to you as well. And I'll see those parodies like the Sopranos parody that I remember getting shared around and there's like different things like that. I don't know what they've done recently, but um, it's always kind of fun to see that. And, um, and that's what I mean by going back and looking at it. Cause I'd be curious to see, like, it's still running. It's on HBO max now. Um, and, and, uh, Which I remember that I, was kind of the joke as well when HBO basically picked it up from PBS and and like oh now you know Sesame Street's become gritty but Sesame Street was always kind of gritty like even just the choice to make the set like you know uh, resembling you know a, a city street in Harlem like I mean there's stuff in this show that you just go wow like they were so cutting edge for the time and like to do the things that they did it, it, it like just even with the guests you know from reverend Je- jesse jackson to dizzy gillespie um johnny cash like everybody in between and like it's just fascinating to see how the show came together and kind of not only 
became a part of the zeitgeist and, and consciousness, but has sustained this longevity. Um, and, and they, I mean, it is a fluff piece, as you mentioned, and I'd say the most critical thing or, or, or what it criticizes the most is, you know, the way that they treated someone like, you know, Matthew Robinson, yeah. I think specifically is, is, is interesting that it does go there and talk about like, you know, how he was trying to, um, you know, introduce a black puppet character and how that went and, and, you know, and, and, and how they kind of treated him. And, and, and I think that's important that they, they went there and maybe they could have gone a little bit deeper with that. But um, again, like it's, it's kind of just trying to cover all of its bases with just like a, a, a kind of a nice kind of paced, you know, point A to point B kind of story and like how this little kind of kernel of an idea became this, not only a phenomenon, just again, like a staple in society. Like it's like, you can't think of like Sesame street feels like it will always be there. Like yeah, always never going to go away. Like it'll never get canceled. (laughs) No, no, no. Like it's like, you look at like, you look at some other memorable kids shows, like they even show like, you know, Mr. Rogers and things like that. Um, and obviously Mr. Rogers, you know, went off the air a very long time ago, but has still kind of remained in syndication and, and people, you know, more recently because of the, the, the Tom Hanks movie, but this, sh- like they're still making Sesame street. Like it's incredible to think about 51 that. Like, seasons, 51 yeah. seasons, 4,561 episodes. And like, that's wild. And I didn't realize it was 60 minutes up until 2015. And they just recently changed it to 30 minute episodes. And like, that's just so much to make. And they kind of touch on that in the doc too, of like how they, that's another thing that they kind of touched on but didn't go super deep into is just like how this consumed the lives of everyone working on it but they because they felt it was important but they had no work-life balance it just felt they said like jim henson would stay at work for like four days days in a row row, yeah yeah and like he didn't even have an apartment in new york he just stayed there and then would probably go back to his house after that and like um and things like that, which I mean, also coming from my, like, again, it's, it's interesting things they touch on because I feel like people are focused more on work-life balance nowadays than they were maybe before. And, you know, the mentality of you have to just, you know, work nonstop to be successful at what, and which is kind of true. But, um, again, they touch on a lot of different things in the movie. They don't necessarily go super deep into any of it, but it does, it's like a nice refresher of, like you said, Eric, like, um, like a really how important this show is and was, and, and like the, the giant leaps it made on television and just in general and, um, and for kids programming. And I think it's, it was a wonderful reminder of that. And it was a very easy watch and a very pleasant watch. And it just made me go, Oh, I'm kind of excited if I was to have kids to like, uh, watch Sesame street again. Cause I haven't watched it in, God, 30 years probably, right? 25 to 30 years. How old are you when you watch Sesame Street? Very young, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably in the three to five year old yeah. age range. And yeah, yeah. again, like they're like those characters are are so memorable and, and have kind of permeated pop culture and have never gone away either. I mean, you know, I, I, I still have a fondness. I, I think my three favorite characters are are Oscar the Grouch, um, yes, Cookie absolutely. Monster. Yeah. And um, the count uh, are, are are my three favorites. 
So. And I also, I even like that they sort of hinted at Bern, Bert and Ernie kind of being gay. Like they just like yeah. sat on that a little bit and they didn't really talk about it, but they're like, oh, we're friends. And then they kind of just like sit on it. And I'm like, is that kind of like, you know, the ongoing thing of like, uh, they've never, or what, I don't know. I know there was something recent about that, but I'm not super familiar with my Sesame Street history. But um, it's also funny to see like the puppeteers get grumpy or or have to redo takes and their personality coming out. Yes, in the that's puppet. always a blast. Yeah, and it's not like always like them just like cursing as the puppet, and you're like, oh no. But it's just funny when it's like they're they're just kind of like ticked off, and they're they're doing it in a kind of just more kind of like almost serious tone and it's just funny to see especially again with jim henson and frank oz as as bert and ernie i think it's it's a blast watching those guys absolutely um i'm going to give the movie a three and a half i thought it was quite enjoyable um uh, i definitely think it's worth watching once it drops on hbo yeah i'll also give it a three and a half it's 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 a nice way to brighten your day and remind you of the importance of what sesame street is and and what it is to um you know education and pop culture and and sort of childhood in general all right um thank you all for listening uh you can go back and listen to um all of our sundance coverage right here on untitled movie reviews we have reviews up right now for movies like coda um uh what else did we do uh, on the count of three how it ends crypto zoo um, crypto zoo um we'll have reviews uh today um as you're listening to this you can also check out our reviews for uh what else passing Passing, uh romeo and juliet um and romeo hashtag uh, juliet well i i when the director introduced it it's he just called it romeo and juliet but it's stylized as our hashtag j um Anyways, uh, check out all of those and we'll have more reviews all up until, you know, middle of, you know, up to February 2nd or 3rd. You should be getting three, four reviews a day. Uh, So keep it locked right here on Untitled Movie Reviews. Please go subscribe to our other two channels, Untitled Movie Podcast and Untitled uh, Movie Conversations. Uh, We'll get those back up and running after Sundance uh, finishes. Uh, we have a Sundance preview on our latest Untitled Movie Podcast. And we also have some great conversations with uh, uh, Nick Scarpino and joey noel from kind of funny over on the conversation side of things drop us a review on those three podcasts if you would be so kind and follow us on all of those social medias at untitled underscore cast uh as always my name is matt Robeck. you can find more of my work around the internet but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com and you can follow me on all of those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchant. You can uh, find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.com slash cinemascene and on the social medias at em6211. And until next time. Can you tell me how to get to Sesame Street? Crushed it.